0: Not more than Sab, Hakawato, Arahato, some ma, some Buddha, some. Not more Sab, Hakawato, Arahato, some ma, Buddha, Sab, Hakawato, Arahato, some Buddhang Sanghang Namasami. Well, this coming Friday, uh, I'm due to begin leading a uh, week, uh, two-week-long retreat uh, with uh, Joseph Babakaro. Former abbot of uh, what, my first Dhamma teacher, uh, he's now a lay person, but uh, invite I have invited him a few times to come back and co-lead retreats with me. So this year, uh, it's a longer retreat than we've done before, and the the theme is, uh, "What are you thinking?" The, the Buddha's path to skillful thought. So, speaking of thinking, I thought it might be. Um, useful to explore some of those themes uh, this evening, to reflect on some of those areas, um, particularly because this is a, uh, a time of the year where people are doing uh, a lot more uh, individual uh, meditation. Many members of the sangha are uh, engaging in individual retreats, uh, doing, having solo retreat time for two, three weeks or a month. And uh, uh, and even uh, if not in solo retreat, we're uh, we're basing our lives here at Amravati mostly around meditation practice and uh, the watching of the mind, training of the mind, and so then the uh, understanding of the the realm of thought and thinking and how that fits together with uh, with mind training and particularly peace of mind, and uh, through the. through the understanding, quality of understanding, of wisdom, and how the liberation of the heart comes about. For many of us, myself included, when uh, first starting out uh, with the efforts of meditation practice, then it's uh, shocking just how much thinking the mind does. We might have had an impression that uh, the mind is chattering away a lot, but when we first sit down and try to focus the attention on the present moment, say maybe following the breath or trying to follow a mantra like buddho, it's it's shocking, it's amazing, startling how much thinking the mind does. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And then the... Uh, the more that we watch, the more we realize oh this this thing never seems to sh- never seems to shut up. It just goes on and on and on. So I'm presuming that's a fairly common experience for most people here. I wouldn't ask for a show of hands, but it's very uh, very ordinary for us uh, to be having this kind of experience. the mind just chattering away, commenting, worrying, planning, remembering calculating, figuring things out, and projecting about what I should do or what other people think of me or what's going to happen next or what, uh, uh, what should I should have done differently or what I might do in the future. So the the initial feeling that we have, I certainly had, was if I could just get this thing to be quiet, I would be really happy. And we assume that meditation is is to do with making the mind stop thinking. But um, from the the get go, the, get-go, the uh, uh, first instructions that that I got in Thailand and that the em- emphasis that Ajahn Chah would give was that uh, yes, the the uh, the chattering mind, the the endless uh, the activity of a of, a, of a thinking mind when it's out of control, that that is uncomfortable or oppressive. Or, agitating but uh, the the path of the Buddha and the path of meditation is not just about uh, making the mind stop thinking uh, as he would often say like you know, he would point to a one of the forest chickens and say well you know, that these chickens don't do a lot of thinking but they're not liberated or pointing to a, to a, a rock or a, a concrete uh, uh, concrete block saying well that you know, that that rock doesn't do a lot of thinking, but it's not in a state of liberation. Yeah, it's not it's not uh, an enlightened an enlightened mind. It's there's no thinking going on, but it, it, there's no liberation there either. So that uh, sort of praising of the quality of of not thinking in and of itself, even though it might seem attractive, that it's important to understand that peace is not just a matter of the mind not thinking. Otherwise, just Going to the going to the doctor or going to the street dealer and getting some getting some uh, particular sort of mind stopping drugs just uh, to uh, get a um, get some barbiturates or largactyl or something like that that just stops the mind thinking that would be the way to liberation but the, the, the Buddha's teaching makes it very clear that it's it's not just a matter of of uh, the mind stopping thinking uh, that uh, is. Say um, identical with liberation but rather it's a skillful understanding of thought a skillful use of thought and being able to to use thought in the proper context that's the thing that that makes uh, the the big difference and for my for myself it was uh, uh, as I said it was just uh, a um, a constant chatter i uh, had um, i was only 21 years old when i first went to what Pananachat in thailand and i'd never really meditated before at all so it was a um like watching my mind was like watching a speeding train just going at, at, the, at the, a fearsome pace sort of hurtling through the countryside just non-stop and the idea of it actually ever slowing down or being quiet was was a, a very uh, remote possibility and I think uh, if I remember the the first time I actually noticed or my mind actually stopped thinking in a in a conscious way was uh, like tonight it was uh, an observance day and w- uh, we would have an all-night sitting so the meditation would go on all night long and uh, then <coughs> carry on through until the uh, the early hours of the morning and then I was often the uh, I was often the only novice there, so I would make the uh, the early morning ovaltine after the morning puja and the, the sort of formal observance had finished and there was an hour or two to spare and I would scoot off to the, the kitchen and make the early morning ovaltine for everybody. So on this particular occasion, I'd been up all night long and then up all the next day as well. I hadn't had a rest during the day. And then we would have a, a, a sauna in the, the monastery um, Chantagara, the, uh, the, the sweat house. Uh, the night after the uh, observance day and uh, I used to like to sit in the sauna for a long time and really uh, cook to ease the aching joints and such like and it was on that that evening so I've been up uh, all day the day before all night long uh, and all the next day (laughs) it was finally the evening so my whole system was really exhausted and uh, it was at the end of the the time in the sauna, and everyone else had left. I was sitting there by myself. Suddenly, it hit me. I'm not thinking. It stopped. Just <laughs> through sheer exhaustion of the whole system. Like, wow, I've never known my mind to be quiet, even though I, that was a that was a verbal thought itself. <laughs> I was thinking, I've never known my mind to be quiet before. There was space and silence. Oh, oh, this is great! I thought. Well, if I have to stay up for forty-eight hours and, <laughs> and sit in a sauna for two for, for, uh, for two hours at the end of it in order for me- to make my mind go quiet, this is a bit of a heavy-duty procedure. But uh, as time went by, then, and my uh, sort of time spent practicing meditation and living in the monastery and devout, uh, then it got easier and easier to to quieten the mind and then, uh, but then it was, uh, and that was something that was, was really pleasant, mostly as a contrast to the the chattering activity. But uh, after I'd been in robes for, for four or five years, I remember being on a, a winter retreat and uh, it was a very small community and very, very, very quiet life and a lot, a lot of formal practice during the days. And, and so that the, uh, the mind, um, Uh, It was a lot more quiet here, thank you. And so then it was much more, not just sort of an isolated moment here and there, but for long periods of time, just sitting there not thinking, and then realizing, well, the mind isn't doing any thinking, but this doesn't feel very liberated. In fact, it feels like I'm sitting here in a gray box with nothing going on, <laughs> it's like watching a TV with no program on it. This is really boring. <laughs> so there's no thinking going on, but just that absence of thought in and of itself is not something that is was liberating. It was quiet, but there was no uh, there was no uh, liveliness there. There was no. Uh, no vitality, no uh, no brightness, and no real spaciousness, but there was there was a a, uh, a quietness, literally like sitting watching a TV that's not switched on. But, uh, so that uh, just having a mental quietness in and of itself is is uh, only part of the story. And if uh, we train the mind to be quiet, then it's very uh, uh, very crucial, essential along with that quietness then there's a, an exploration and examination of, of the other aspects of mind and using the meditation and the particular development of concentration and of wisdom to help um I say bring about the development of the uh, other qualities uh, qualities that bring about uh, brightness of mind the sense of spaciousness limitlessness and the quality of understanding so that even though quietness and, and uh, say, a, a stilling of of uh, active uh, active thinking of chattering thought is is useful, beneficial, in and of itself, it's not it's not the whole story by any means. So, in terms of uh, thought and the path to skillful thought, then. It's helpful to distinguish between what we usually consider thinking just the the chattering of the mind that, uh, that say is planning and remembering and worrying and hoping and fantasizing and and uh, calculating this the inner uh, inner uh, in monologue that uh, chatters away and uh, uh, carries on this is what the uh, in our Buddhist terminology we call uh, papancha, or conceptual proliferation. So that's what we normally think of as thinking, or how, what we regard as, as thinking. That's uh, the chattering of the, the mind. And that in itself is something that is, is obstructive. It is something that is not liberating or, or helpful. Uh, like uh, the inner mental noise. So that kind of thinking is not helpful or skillful or particularly useful. But the, uh, the other kind of thinking that is not just um, uh, helpful, but is uh, something that the Buddha spelled out as being a, an essential condition for liberation, is what's called uh, wise reflection, yoni so manasikara, also uh, called dhamma vijaya, or investigation of reality. So, dhamma vijaya, uh, yoni so manasikara, this is a, a whole different. Uh, say quality of thought. This is the the use of conceptual thought, uh, the use of the mind's ability to reflect and to explore and to to consider uh, as a way of uh, understanding the the flow of our experience, to to make sense of of what we're feeling, what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what's, what what uh, what the uh, the present moment reality is. Uh, is doing, how that's formed, and, and uh, what's a, a skillful way to work with it. Oftentimes people ask this question, well, what's the difference between wise reflection and the, and the chattering mind? And, uh, and how do you develop, how do you quiet the one and develop the other? So that's a, 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 an area that's it's really important to understand and useful to, to develop. The the quality of wise reflection, yoni so manasikara, the uh, the way I I understand it and use it uh, is, it's a a quality of uh, of attention. It's the the conscious uh, use of the mind's ability to recognize patterns, to recognize cause and effect, uh, essentially seeing how things work. So that it's a bringing a, a, of attention to the present. Moment, the present experience, and uh, asking questions like, uh, how is this working, what's going on here, how does this feel, uh, what's, uh, what, what uh, is the mind assuming here, what is being wanted, what is being feared, what's being, uh, say, rejected, what, what's happening here? So it's that investigative quality of the mind, it's like an, an interest, there's a, a, uh, a kind of an enthusiasm, to a chanda, that sense of you know, of uh, interest and engagement, and it's the active use of the mind's ability to observe how things work, how things operate, the the patterns that are uh, in uh, in play within our, our experience, and particularly, as I said, cause and, uh, the cause and effect uh, relationships of. of of why we feel, what we do, what's why is something attractive, or why is something frightening, or why is something irritating, or why do we call something mine or not mine? Now that quality of wise reflection. Then, if you if you uh, studied much of uh, Chao's teachings, read many of uh, the books of his talks, or uh, if you uh, listen to the uh, if you can understand Thai and, and hear him speaking in Thai. Uh, you'll have noticed that he uses this, this quality of wise reflection, consideration, to, uh, to a huge degree. In many, many of his Dhamma talks, he'll be describing how he picked up a, a particular experience, of being annoyed by something, or being uh, excited by something, or being frightened by something, and then uh, picking it up and exploring, hey, what's going on here? How come I, 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 I call myself frightened of that? Why? Why is the idea of a ghost frightening, or why is that food attractive? Or if i if I want to if I'm calling a mango delicious, if one mango is delicious, then uh, uh, what what happens if I eat ten mangoes or twenty mangoes or thirty mangoes? You know, is it still delicious? Is it still attractive? Is it still interesting? what what happens So over and over again, he picks up his experience, his fears, his, his desires, his opinions, his memories, his plans, and explores them. And And he sort of walks, walks you through it during the, his Dhamma teachings. So this is, in a way, describing exactly how to skillfully develop wise reflection and to be using that ability that we have, in a way our, our own natural intelligence, to, to be you know, picking things up to be uh, examining, okay, why, why is this so exciting? Why, why is this something that is frightening? Why when I hear that word do I uh, get uh, upset or, or, or irritated or, or do I feel alienated? You know, why is there a, a trigger with that particular word or that sound or that, that feeling, that sight? What's behind this? How is this working? Now with, with uh, wise reflection, uh, what happens is, uh, as any of us who've done much meditation or tried to use this, is that you can start off with yoni so manasikara, and that there can be a, a conscious and deliberate picking up of a particular experience and, and the intention to explore it. But then, within about ten seconds, you know, you've kind of you've jumped on the. On the uh, the uh, Papancha train, the conceptual proliferation has, has taken off, and you've in a sense lost that mindfulness, and the, the the mind's got caught up with a particular reaction or a particular fear or a memory or an idea, and and uh, it's lost in in the, uh, carried away. So that and that easily happens. So that one of the the aspects of developing mind uh, the this mindful quality of thinking or wise reflection, is to uh, develop a uh, an awareness or an appreciation of the, uh, the, in a sense, the pace of it or the, the, the tone of it. Because it, when it's genuine wise reflection, then we think in whole sentences, and there's spaces between the sentences. So uh, the mind might ask, you know, why is this interesting? Why, why is this something that is frightening? Where does that come from? The sentence has a beginning and a middle and an end. You know, why is this frightening? Where does this come from? It's a whole sentence, then there's a pause. Oh. Well, maybe it's frightening because uh, and when I go on the arms round and I hear the sound of a dog barking, I feel tension and fear because... Maybe it's something from a a childhood memory. Maybe that's where it comes from. A whole sentence, pause. Ah, that's right, that's right. When I was a child, I was always frightened of dogs. And I hadn't been around places where I've seen dogs or met dogs for a long time. But now here I am on the arms round, I hear the sound of the dogs barking. And then it brings about this reaction. Aha, maybe that's it. So, just using that as a random example, so that the the mind is picking up a theme, it's exploring it, uh, uh, say examining what it, the the causes might be and where things, how things are formed, but the, the the mind is thinking in discrete sentences. There's spaces between them. There's a measured, even quality. There's a there's a a, a steadiness in the tone of of thinking when it is genuine, wise reflection. When the mind is caught into uh, papancha, conceptual proliferation, when it's sort of jumped on a particular feeling, then uh, we don't think in whole sentences. It's just one idea just chases after another and sort of fragmented thoughts one, uh, say, following along half-formed after another, after another, after another, there's no uh, evenness there's no steadiness there the mind is just uh, racing away and and is so lost in a in a uh, a fragmented and uh, and say um very uh, uh busy chain of associations just one thing following another after another after another and uh, you know, the the attention is absorbed in that 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 chain of of, of mental reactions. So there's an agitation, there's a busyness, there's a, a stressfulness in that. And as in the teachings that talk about Papancha, you end up with this what's called Papancha Sanya Sankar, which is that that feeling of being oppressed, me being oppressed by the world, me chasing after something that I haven't got, me uh, fighting against something that is, uh, that is uh, annoying, or me uh, running away from something that is frightening. So that sense of an I in a state of tension and oppression, a state of of conflict with an outside world. That's the the end result of papancha, Is kind of me in a state of pressure and tension with the world. So if we develop the uh, the wise the quality of wise reflection, then then thought is being applied uh, in uh, in a skillful way. And that thought is not an intrusion upon our peace of mind. Just uh, yesterday, someone someone was asking me about about meditation and how to stop thinking. And the 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 the, the main theme of what they were asking was that uh, was the, was based on the assumption of well, if you're thinking that, then that that's not meditation, or that that can't be peaceful. And this is a, a again a, a really common uh, assumption, or I would say misunderstanding, because. Uh, thought is just another sense object. So, just as the eye sees form, like I'm looking out over the interior of the temple at Amravati here, I see the oak pillars, I see the floor, I see the people, I see the monks here and the laymen lay at the back here. I see the nuns here and the laywomen at the, at the back there. Uh, there's the space uh, of the hall. I see visual forms. I hear the sound uh, of my voice speaking. So the mind can can appreciate seeing hearing. I feel the weight of my body on the, the, the cushion of the dhamma seat, uh, the the sense of, of the, the touch of the, the, the sensation of the cloth of my robes on my skin. There's um, a feeling of physical sensation. So the mind can know those those sense impressions without any kind of, uh, of dukkha, any kind of suffering or any kind of wrongness uh, associated with that. The eye the eye perceives form, the ear perceives sound, the nose perceives odors, the tongue perceives flavors, the body perceives sensations, and the mind perceives thoughts and emotions and feelings, uh, memories, ideas. So uh, thought is just a sense object, like, uh, the, like uh, uh, physical form, like sound, like smell and taste and touch. So just as the mind can appreciate sense objects from the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, then it can appreciate a sense object from the mind. There's there's no reason why a thought needs to be an intrusion upon the peace of mind. Now, usually we assume that if there is a thought there, then we can't be peaceful. That's an intrusion on the meditation, it's an intrusion upon our peace. And that's usually because as soon as a, a single thought appears, then you know, whoop, the whole papuncha, <clears throat> papuncha train gets going, and the mind goes racing off and gets lost in its own conceptual creations. Uh, but in, in and of itself, just like you can open your eyes and you can see oak pillars, uh, you can see um, limestone tiles, you can see monk uh, sitting on mat. And not create any suffering about it it 's just seeing just just feeling the sensation of, of wood under the fingertips just seeing feeling hearing that's all there's uh, there's no dukkha involved in that so why should there necessarily be dukkha involved in the mind appreciating the the form of a conceptual thought so that I feel is is a, again a, a, a very helpful way of rejigging our understanding that just because there's a thought doesn't mean to say that the meditation has been broken or that we're not paying attention. It's just the mind can know thought and be fully aware this is a thought. So as part of the, the development of you know, yoni so Manasikara, wise reflection, then training ourselves to think consciously and to to be aware of thought and not get lost in thought is a really useful skill. And this is something that, uh, that Lumpur Sumeto used to teach uh, quite regularly uh, when he was the abbot here and um, running meditation retreats and giving Dhamma talks, uh, particularly during the winter retreats uh, here, uh, uh, at least my experience of that back in the 80s and early 90s. So he would uh, give a very, very simple, straightforward instruction. So he to to develop the ability to be aware of thought without getting lost in it you train yourself you 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 know he would give us these little exercises to do and you take some particularly uh, non personal simple thought like today is monday that's not personal for anybody well, pretty, <laughs> pretty pretty likely not to be a personal thought it's not it's not emotionally loaded uh, it's very uh, Simple, practical, non-personal. And so you bring the mind to a quality of quietness, make the mind as as still and as quiet as possible, and then just consciously think, today is Monday. You notice the space before the thought, then the, the thought, today is Monday. And the space after the thought, and then as that's being developed, as you, you carry out that exercise, then in that very moment we can notice, oh, there's the thought, today is Monday, but that is clearly known, just like the, the shape of a pillar or the, the sensation of, of wood under the, the, the fingers. It's a, a sense object that's known, that's all. It, uh, it, comes, into, it comes into being. The thought begins; it does; it, it has its shape. Today is Monday. Then it comes to an end, just like touching the wood of the Dhamma seat. There's a space before it's touched. There's the sensation of it being touched, and then there's the, the the absence of that that touch after my hand leaves it. That's all. A sense object arises and passes away. In this instance, it just happens to be a conceptual thought. So that might seem like a bit of a waste of time, like. Am I supposed to sit there for an hour thinking today is Monday? <laughs> but it, uh, it, it, it's, uh, uh, it's a, an exercise that we can do with a very particular purpose in mind. So that if we do that with with uh, deliberately constructed thoughts and then with things that are not personal, they're not about me, they're not about others, they're, they're not uh, anything that's emotionally loaded or uh, that mind, the mind can create a lot of doubt or, or worry about. It's as benign and simple, straightforward as possible. Then we, with developing that the skill around these very simple, uh, tangible objects like that, then then uh, once you develop that skill, then uh, with with that which is benign and, and easily seen, then, you find that that skill is is still there when the uh, the objects, the thoughts are more emotionally charged and also when they arise on their own. They're not something that has necessarily been being crafted. So this is a, a way of training the mind to use thought to be uh, applying a conceptual thought to examine, to explore the present moment experience without getting lost in it so that you can uh, you can raise the conceptual thought, you can use that uh, investigation, why, you know, why do I feel afraid of this, or why is that exciting, or that's interesting, I call this beautiful and I call that ugly. Where is the beauty? Where is the ugliness? Where, you know, where does that come from? What, what's the cause of that? And that you can be aware of those, those thoughts uh, know them fully without getting lost in them, without getting carried away, and and then the the uh, the process of of wise reflection can really bear fruit because what you're doing is you're in a sense you're drawing upon your own wisdom. You're using uh, conceptual thought not to just sort of calculate your way to an answer, but rather you're using that that wise reflection, that conceptual thought, as a kind of catalyst. You know, it's using it to, to uh, awaken your own wisdom, to draw upon your own understanding, that in you which in a sense already uh, has a, an understanding of what's, what's going on and, and uh, how it works, but that hasn't taken form, that's not clear, that's not something that's Come into being yet. So, in a sense, wise reflection is like consulting your own oracle. It's like going to going to the the source of wisdom, and so that you are say uh, allowing your own profound understanding, your own uh, intuitive wisdom, your intuitive understanding to to manifest, to to take shape, and to to crystallize to to be known to be visible, and so that you're, say, using your own faculty of understanding and helping it to be uh, fulfilled. So, uh, uh, as I said, uh, the uh, far from conceptual thought, uh, and uh, that being something that's an obstruction to enlightenment, or uh, oftentimes people relate to thinking like some kind of brain disease. Uh, I could just stop this... Incessant chatter, then I would be really happy if it 's like some kind of illness that we 've got to get rid of, but rather, if we change the way that we relate to thought and particularly if this uh, uh, capacity of wise reflection is developed, then this becomes the most powerful tool. This is one of the the bases of of stream entry, one of the the uh the four uh say um uh, necessary conditions for for stream entry is wise reflection. The first one is um, uh, drawing close to good people, sapuri sangseva, spending time with good people, drawing close to wise and noble, good-hearted people. The second is listening to the true Dhamma, dhamma, Savana to listen to the dhamma, and the third is yoni so manasikara is wise reflection, and then the fourth is practicing dhamma in accordance with dhamma, dhammanu dhamma dhamma patipada So that uh, that wise reflection—it's a necessary condition for stream entry. If if the the heart is to uh, to truly awaken to be liberated, it needs that capacity of wise reflection. You, in a sense, you can't do without it if liberation is what is. Uh, the, the aim if that is the goal uh, of, of our efforts and our, our lives then uh, that quality of of wise reflection it's a necessary condition it needs to be there so uh, if if you have an inclination towards just trying to stop thinking uh, to to find peace then to recognize well it's not <laughs> it's not the thought that's the uh, that's the, the problem it's the that uh, the lack of orderliness, the, the lack of, of evenness, the lack of integration in the way that, that thought is used. So rather than being a, a brain disease or a problem or obstruction, we find that the capacity to think clearly, to, to be able to reflect wisely, to recognize the patterns of how the universe works, the, the, the universe of the mind, the body, the world, that is our greatest friend that's our most powerful tool that's a, a a wonderful resource that that we have so rather than just trying to switch it off and, and not think or not uh, not be using that to instead recognize that if this is a, a tool that is handled in a in a skillful way it'll be of immense benefit well, another of the aspects of of thinking that the the buddha pointed to, and that I feel is a, a very, very helpful teaching, is a, a sutta in the, the Middle Length Discourses, Sutta number 19, if I remember correctly, which is called the Two Kinds of Thinking, uh, Veda Sutta, Two Kinds of Thinking, and it's the Buddha describing his own practice before his enlightenment. And he uh, he says that what he did with his with his uh, meditation was that he divided his thought his thoughts into two categories as he was as he was meditating and watching his mind uh, then he uh, he made this distinction this discrimination so the the thoughts that were uh, unskillful, that were based on selfishness or based on on aversion or based on de- delusion or, or sense-desire, then he, that they were clearly labeled as unskillful, and that they were deliberately uh, put aside. So there's, there's a recognition of this is, this is a thought connected with sense-desire, it's connected with selfishness, it's connected with ill-will, with laziness, with aversion, with uh, unwholesome states. Uh, therefore, uh, that is something to be, uh, to be known and to be let go of, not to be fed or not to be sustained or supported. And then the other ca- the other category of thinking is thoughts that were connected with with unselfishness, with kindness, with compassion, with freedom from ill will and and sense desire. Thoughts connected with renunciation, simplicity, and so forth. And those were uh, recognized as being wholesome, as being noble, as being beneficial. And those were deliberately yeah, sustained, maintained, uh, and I- encouraged, and so, uh, and as he says in a, in a sutta, because what the mind frequently ponders on, upon, what we put our attention on, that becomes the tendency of the mind. So, if your uh, tendency of the mind is to always be complaining and finding fault, uh, if if the mind is uh, uh, inclined towards negativity. If that's not recognised, then that that's a rut that gets created. That's the track the mind's is going to go down. That your relationship to the world will be based on complaining. <laughs> that the, whatever the mind frequently dwells and ponders upon, that will be the inclination of the mind. So if you look around the temple and you think, "Well, that pillar's not really that, not really straight," and and I, and I don't like the. The um, the gilding they did on the Buddha image and the, and those the flower arrangements they they're not as good as that, mm-hmm. uh, this week as they were last week, and um, and uh, we should have more candles or less candles or etc 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 everything you look at the mind sees what's wrong with it that, that if that's what you've uh, you've done with your mind that's what you'll see the world will be a constant cause for complaint the mind will see what's what's will just see things in terms of what's wrong with them it, the you know the glass half half empty the glass half full is the is the uh uh say the mind if it's inclined towards um appreciation and and gratitude um then instead, oh, this is really well, this temple is so wonderful. This uh, what a fantastic design! What a beautiful space it makes for us. And I'm so glad that you know, people are really uh, gifted at flower arrangement. These are so beautiful. It makes the the, the, uh, the temple such an inspiring place. And the the, the golden colored Buddha uh, in the uh, in the center is a beautiful, inspiring figure, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. If the if the mind is seeing things in terms of appreciation of gratitude of a of a track of uh, unselfishness and uh, positivity that will be the inclination of the mind that uh, and if we are say aware of that then, it's a very simple process if we can recognize, oh, if my mind dwells upon this, not just with complaining, obviously with, with, de- with sense desire, or what I can get out of this situation, what, what I'm going to get in the future, what I want to have, what's going to make me happy in the future when I get it. Uh, or worrying, oh dear, you know, what's going to happen to me? How am I going to deal with this? Oh, I, I've got this problem to solve and I don't know how to, to work with it. You know, oh dear, what am I going to do? If we if we don't recognize those habits, then the mind will just keep following those tracks. Whatever the mind frequently attends to, thinks and ponders upon, that will be its inclination. So if we recognize that, and then we say, okay, that's a negative uh, direction that leads towards stress, that leads towards tension, that leads towards conflict between within myself and between myself and others, therefore, Let's not go down that track. Let's steer the mind down a, a different track. Uh, and if you see that the, the the track is something that's wholesome and beneficial, that leads towards peacefulness, that leads towards clarity, that leads towards uh, brightness and appreciation, that leads towards uh, simplicity and uh, a lack of neediness, then take that direction. Uh, and then the the Buddha gave this very uh, very beautiful analogy. He said also, when it's when there the, are uh, unwholesome mind states that are dominating, then you need to be really careful. You need to be paying close attention because you can cause yourself and others a lot of harm by just letting the mind uh, move in in negative directions. But if the mind is uh, is moving in, in if his tendency is in positive directions, then you can have a bit more of a relaxed attitude. And he uses this image of. Of uh, uh, looking after cows in the uh, uh, in the countryside, if you're a, a, a cow herd or you're tending the cows, in a, uh, you know, as he, uh, would be the case in a, in a village in in India or Nepal in his his own lifetime. He said that if the mind is dominated by by negative mind states, then it's like uh, uh, if you're looking after the cows, during the rainy season and the crops are growing in the field you have to pay close attention because if the cows wander into the into the rice into the rice fields and they start chewing on the seed on the the rice seedlings and they start devouring the crops then you know, you're going to get punished and uh, the owners of the crops will be upset and uh, this could uh, be uh, very painful and difficult for you and uh, and it's to be avoided. So you, as soon as you see the cows sort of drifting into the crops, you kind of go on and you kind of shout at them and get them out of the out of the crops and uh, back onto the, the the verges in the woods where they can they can graze freely from browse from the from the trees and the, and the the uh, the verges where it's it's okay to eat. Um, so you need to be paying close attention, and, and as soon as the, the the cows wander off into the crops, then you you're right on it. And you, you, you tap them on the neck or the backside and steer them away from that. So that if it's uh, if the mind is inclined towards wholesome states, then it's like looking after the cows in the hot season. All the the crops have grown up and they've already been gathered in. The the rice is all in the uh, in the barns and and there's no crops in the fields and so you can kind of lie under a tree in the shade and have a snooze and let the cows wander wherever they want because they can't do any harm there's no danger from from what they do so there's no need to be uh too attentive or too worried because if it's wholesome states that the mind is is following then they it is nothing damaging or difficult or painful is going is going to come from that so this is the imagery that he uses to describe these uh uh, these two, uh, say qualities. But I, I feel this is uh, this is uh, very. It's a simple teaching, and you know, as we hear it, we think, "Well, that's kind of easy, you know. Okay, wholesome, follow it. And wholesome, don't follow it. Yeah, okay, I understand that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the principle is very simple to understand, but it, uh, we don't do it, do we? We we uh, very easily just. Follow those ruts uh, wherever the the track is is heavily worn. That that's where our feet tend to go. That's where uh, we we follow. And uh, how many of us, either in ourselves, know that the mind is always going towards worry, or is always going towards, um, uh, say, self concern. You know about uh, what what's in this for me, or what can I get, or what do I feel, or what's my opinion. Uh, or in other people, that uh, you know, being around others, and you're you're noticing that uh, they've always got uh, their own kind of um, uh, opinion. That they've always got to be in charge, or they've always got to have their own way. And it's it's very uh, kind of st- uh, shocking or striking how uh, the mind has a, a favoured track to go down. So. Uh, in this practice then noticing what are the, the tracks, what are the ruts that our mind follows? You know, where What is its uh, favored directions? And if it goes down those tracks of, say, of worry or fear or self-criticism, or that uh, as uh, Ajahn Viradhamma used to refer to his own mental habits of, of uh, self-hatred, self-criticism. He, he called it the I'm no good mantra. That he'd hear his mind going, "I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good," <laughs> or the opposite, "Be that like, I'm wonderful, I'm wonderful, I'm wonderful. You're you're so lucky to have me around. I'm wonderful. Yeah, look at me, I'm great. I'm so fantastic. You people are really lucky to have me around. I'm really something special." So to to be aware of those ruts to, to bring attention. To 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 be watching to use that quality of wise reflection and I say isn't that interesting? My mind always finds something to complain about, or, well like for myself, I, I was a real worrier. I was not a a, a, a a hatred type. I very rarely experienced any kind of anger or hatred, but I could worry about anything and everything. And so uh, when when I when I saw other people getting angry or upset, it was be like oh, strange. <laughs> Because it, my mind wouldn't wouldn't do that, but it would find any any reason to worry about anything, whether it would involve me or not. It would just create worry. So, in the developing this, this practice and using wise reflection, notice the the ruts that are formed. Whether you like to explain everything, or you just like to uh, to uh, say you know you're worried about things, or you're 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 trying to get things and. You're, you're a greedy type you're trying to just have you know pleasant experiences or get more stuff notice it be aware of of those unskillful tendencies name them get get a get a, a, a kind of <laughs> a picture of them yeah you know, to uh to see, uh, articulate give it give a give it a form in your mind' recognize oh that's a habit i have is I'm always trying to figure things out, uh, I'm always trying to, to have my own way or I'm afraid of making decisions or whatever it might be, You know, get to know your own, your own habits, give them a name, uh, uh, spell it out to yourself what the habit is, clarify what's there and then as that's clarified then we can know it more completely, more, more directly as it arises. Similarly, the wholesome habits—not to make ourselves conceited or proud because of the good qualities, but to look, say, "Okay, yeah, I, I, I am compassionate. I do, I do care for the feelings of others. That's that's a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be something that the mind creates conceit or ego around. But oh, that's a, that compassionate tendency uh, that has a, a good quality to it, people." People appreciate that kindness, that compassion that is shown to them, that makes a warm feeling between myself and others, that makes a deep friendship between myself and others. Look at that. See the result of that. Know that. Acts of generosity, acts of unselfishness, and so on. To notice, okay, that, that's a habit, that's a, a skillful direction. If it's followed, look look what good comes from it. Look at the, the beautiful, noble liberating qualities that come from that aha look at that so we get to know the, those tracks of the, the of the mind the, the directions that the mind can take and the and getting familiar with them using wise reflection to clarify to articulate to, to give a name a, a description of those and through that describing and knowing naming then What's unwholesome, what uh, leads towards harm and confusion uh, alienation and dukkha, let go of it. Steer away from that. Don't give that energy. And keep the cows out of the crops. You know, just Steer the, the mind away from those tracks to recognize, I know where this goes. This, this goes to painfulness for myself and for others. Okay, just take a left. You know, get out of that rut. And then the the qualities that are, are wholesome and noble, yes, give them strength, feed them, support them. Yeah, that's a good a good track. Develop that path, develop that that track, and make it firmer, stronger, wider, to to help the mind to go down that, for your benefit, for the benefit of those that, that you live with and spend your time with. So these are a few uh, themes. Um, on uh, uh, what we're thinking, on the uh, pathways of, of skillful thought. So, whatever is useful, then please uh, take it uh, and use it. Whatever is not useful, please leave it aside. Anyone?